Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. It's me, the Axeman, and today I'd like to talk about a series that I've always had a special relationship with. Ever since I was in high school, my brother and I have been fans of the Metal Gear series, mainly the Metal Gear Solid entries. It's interesting because we both got into them separate from each other. Around the same time, though, we just both decided we wanted to see the series, and we were like, oh hey, you want to see the series too? By this time, we'd already played Super Smash Bros. Brawl, and we knew about Snake and things like that. I don't believe Snake's guest appearance influenced us, since there was a two-year delay, but it might have planted the seed of interest. My brother, he was the one who'd play these games. I mostly sat back and watched. The only entry I've actually played for myself is Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. But I spent a lot of time watching my brother play and watching other people play, doing a lot of research on the series that I consider myself a Metal Gear fan, even if I don't take the wheel. So as a Metal Gear fan... I have to talk about what's been going on with the series lately. The last couple of years have been an interesting time for the Metal Gear series. Around the release of Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, Hideo Kojima left Konami. For those who don't keep up, Kojima is more or less the father of Metal Gear, and Konami was the company that his studio, Kojima Productions, worked for. In Konami's push to restructure their company, they changed their attitude toward a lot of the console game developers working under them. They didn't want Kojima's name being associated with the publicity for the Metal Gear games. Usually they have the preface, a Hideo Kojima game, on the cover, but Konami didn't want that anymore. And it wasn't just Kojima's name, but he's the most famous example. Part of it could be in response to Kojima's sense of budgeting. He was getting to be a bit too expensive for Konami. The budget for Metal Gear Solid V was, I think, 80 million or something like that. On the other hand, they did react a little oddly to the whole thing. There was a bit of a fallout, and Konami started getting incredibly strict and demanding with their developers, and a reduction of Kojima's involvement was going on, to the point where Konami prevented him from attending the Game Awards show that year, wherein Phantom Pain actually won two awards. An article on the Japanese site Nikkei.com pointed out that Konami staff would shame the Kojima Productions game developers for simply taking too long on their lunch breaks. They'd find a lot of things to monitor them over. They would even get them reassigned to do menial, generic work. Given the timing of it all, this is believed to be the cause for some of the flaws in The Phantom Pain's final release. The second chapter of the game is much shorter and more repetitive than the first. The third chapter isn't even in the game properly. It's like a Blu-ray extra feature on some versions of the game as just a bunch of cutscenes... Not even complete cutscenes, just cutscenes in progress. And there are entire plot threads that got dropped or introduced with little fanfare. Kojima was still involved in the production of Phantom Pain, and Konami has plans to continue the series even without the man who started it all, but most of the fans weren't happy, and in the wake of Metal Gear Survive, it looks a lot like Konami had killed their golden goose. Maybe the first sign that things would be different for Metal Gear was when David Hayter, the voice of both Solid Snake and the younger Big Boss, effectively the deuteragonists of the series, 
was not included in Metal Gear Solid V. He provided the voices for Snake and Big Boss ever since the original Metal Gear Solid, and he gave a memorable performance that every Snake impression still tries to emulate. <sighs> Metal Gear. Nah, I, I can only do it sometimes. During the recording of Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes, which was a GameCube remake of Metal Gear Solid, it was said that Hader actually sacrificed a portion of his pay in order to get most of the cast back to reprise their roles. He was devoted to the role of Solid Snake, even voicing Big Boss in all but one of his appearances. And then, to the surprise of everyone, he was replaced in Metal Gear Solid V. For both Ground Zeroes and Phantom Pain, the two games that collectively make up Metal Gear Solid V, the role of Big Boss was played by Kiefer Sutherland. Many people were shocked and angered at this decision, especially since they reduced a lot of Big Boss's dialogue in the game. I personally think the performance was what it needed to be, but I still don't understand the decision. For all the cracks in the Metal Gear Solid V sculpture, it still sold great, and it's loved by many fans of the series. It goes for an open-world approach and tackles much darker subject matter than the rest of the series, but it still keeps the overall Metal Gear charm and solid core gameplay. What really changed the outlook, though, was Metal Gear Survive, Konami's first crack at a Metal Gear game in a post-Kojima workspace. Metal Gear Survive is a spin-off of the series, foregoing the usual stealth genre in favor of survival action. It takes place at the end of Ground Zeroes, after Big Boss, Kaz, and the others leave the ruins of their mother base behind. A strange wormhole opens up over the ruins and draws them in, taking surviving soldiers with them to a zombie-filled wasteland. This was the first red flag, because the Metal Gear games were somewhat grounded in reality until now. But with this, they're going straight into a more fantasy-based sci-fi. It's true that the Metal Gear games have brushed shoulders with the sci-fi genre as the games went on, and technology in the Metal Gear universe has always been advanced, to the point where nanomachines was basically their answer for anything out of the ordinary. Despite that, if you go out of your way to listen to codec calls in the games, you often get explanations for why things work, and it's accepted that the cases you see in the games are unlikely to work in a lot of instances, but the right conditions just happen to be met for these characters. This time, though, the game is outright pitting you against alien zombie things after shoving you through a wormhole. It was a very jarring change, to say the least, and people who were still sore about Kojima's situation weren't really willing to give this some leeway. Turns out that for a lot of people, those bad first impressions were right on the mark. Metal Gear Survive has been reported to have numerous microtransactions, which is a turnoff for many a gamer. It's to the point where the game only has one save file, and you only get a second one if you pay $10. So if you have a friend who wants to play the game with you without you losing all your progress, well, hopefully you've got 10 bucks to spare. Furthermore, it doesn't do a lot with the action survival genre that other games haven't already done. The game is also remarkably similar to Metal Gear Online, just with a few small additions and the presence of zombies. I haven't played the game myself, and I'm not really fond of what they're doing to it, but I do think a lot of fans are letting their feelings color their view of Metal Gear Survive. It's kind of like an emoji movie situation, 
where yes, there are severe problems and it's not a good game, but no, this isn't an affront to art or all that Kojima has stood for for the last 30 years. It's just a bad game that shows they were a little too ambitious in flexing their Metal Gear muscle without Kojima around. Kojima's doing his own thing with his own studio now, and I don't see Metal Gear Survive sinking the Konami ship, even if the game's title would make for a beautiful schadenfreude irony. The Metal Gear series has made its own strange leaps in the past, though, and I think it would be prudent to remember that. In Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, that was when the game introduced a lot of crazier elements. AIs, ghost channeling, had some ahead-of-its-time metafictional narrative going on. It was a real departure from the more straightforward Metal Gear Solid, even though that game was kind of the first one to really try, well, not the first one, but among the first ones to really try to integrate storytelling into the video game. And then after Sons of Liberty, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater was a bit of a return to form. It was a lot more straightforward, but it kept a lot of new features that were still included in the games that came afterward, becoming something of a staple and it was the first appearance of Big Boss as voiced by David Hayter. Then the series took another leap in Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. The sci-fi was at an all-time high. Nanomachines were used to explain away every unresolved mystery and superpower. They even had nanomachines that altered sensory awareness and the emotional state of soldiers. Some nanomachines would react only to certain weapons, and that would prevent guns from seeing use, or it would automatically fail to fire if the target was not approved. Then we get to Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, which is a spin-off made by Platinum Games, but it's still part of the Metal Gear family in my book, and it takes place after Guns of the Patriots. Cyborgs have been an infrequent part of the series. You'd get your odd cyborg ninja every once in a while. Now they're commonplace in the military. Nanomachines still do their thing, but unmanned artillery is getting closer and closer to becoming bona fide androids. The final boss of the game has combined his body with nanomachines on a molecular level. Even Phantom Pain started blurring the realism and fantasy line. Metal Gear Survive was not the first instance of zombies in the series. Technically, you could consider the cyborg ninjas to be zombies, but Phantom Pain had the skull unit, and they were practically animated corpses kept alive by parasites in their body to the point where they all became ruthlessly efficient fighters. Not to mention the psychic character in the game was able to animate the corpse of a villain from all the way back from Snake Eater. So as bizarre as Metal Gear Survive is, in its premise at least, it's not much of a leap as people like to say it is. I don't know what's next for the Metal Gear series, and I think Konami definitely has their work cut out for them. This may be a bit of bias for one of my favorite games, but I think their best shot is to spring for a sequel to Metal Gear Rising, let Platinum take the reins like they did before, and just settle for that. Maybe make that their new direction for Metal Gear. But Metal Gear Rising is one of my favorite games, so of course I'd recommend that course of action. <laughs> There's not much to suggest that they would treat Platinum any better than they treated Kojima Productions. Could have just been a pipe dream of mine. At this rate, I really have no clue what the future holds for Metal Gear. 
I mean, no one expected Metal Gear Survive, so they're clearly gonna go for anything from the looks of it. But no matter what they do, at least we'll always have the games that they've already made, and we can still enjoy those. This has been the BitCast, and I have been the Axeman. If you liked the show, please consider subscribing so you can stay up to date and tell your friends so they can discover the show too, see if they like it. The show is also available on iTunes. And with that, I will see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.